So we're now in the month of Vesak, or Visaka Puja, and Vesak is it normally falls on the full moon of May, but uh, this year I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's because it's a leap year that it's the Sri Lankan Sangha uh, celebrating Vesak on the or already have celebrated Vesak on the full moon of May, on the sixth of May, and the Thai Sangha are celebrating Vesak on the fourth of June. So there's some discrepancy about when the full the the, the Vesak moon falls this year. So since um, we're neither Sri Lankan nor Thai, I'm not sure what the Burmese, uh, which 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 moon the Burmese are following. But I figure since we're, you know, n- not uh, from a Buddhist country, we can celebrate Vesak through the whole month, <laughs> from one moon to the next. So uh, I started uh, our Vesak celebration on the full moon of May by going to Aranya Bodhi Hermitage in Jena where our preceptor lives and in that very early morning like just as dawn was breaking we took part in an ordination of two women full, full ordination of two women two novices Samaneri Marajina and Samaneri Nibida so they had the first half of their ordination in Jena and then we all got into cars and we drove off to Sacramento and we had the second part of the ordination in Sacramento with the Bhikkhu Sangha. And uh, three of those, those monks had driven up that morning at about 4.30 in the morning from L.A. to be there to support the ordination. So it was very lovely. And uh, we had a big meal and then a Wesak celebration and then the, the second part of the ordination in the afternoon. So Wesak is um, traditionally it's the that the Buddha was said to have been born on the full moon, on the on the Vesak full moon. So the in the calendar that was used at the Buddha's time, they they used the lunar calendar, and each moon had a particular uh, name. So it more or less corresponds with what's the the May moon in, in our calendar. So on the Vesak, the full moon of Vesak, the Buddha was born under a sal tree as his mother was making her way back to her family, which was the tradition in those days to, to give birth at your parents' home. So he was born under a sal tree on the full moon of Wesak, and he was enlightened under what was uh, actually called a people tree, which we now call the Bodhi tree, uh, on the full moon of Wesak. And he died, he breathed his last under a, a grove of sal trees on the full moon of Vesak. So Vesak is the day to to recollect and remember the Buddha. And you know, we can very easily feel a little bit disconnected from the Buddha as a as a person, particularly if we've, we've not actually been to the pilgrimage places. And you know, often in the West we, we come across Buddhism as a more of a often a technique oriented practice or a can be a very rational 
pragmatic teaching and practice, because it is, and we can miss the spirit of the, and, the, and the beauty of the fact that there was this human being alive uh, in 2,500 or so years ago in India who, who became, through his own efforts, fully enlightened and who you know, walked around and, and taught the Dhamma for the welfare of, of the many folk, as they say for the long-lasting benefit of the many folk, of which we are part. It's still, it's still filtering down to us. It's quite remarkable. And this is, this, is a, this is a human being. This is a man who was born from his mother's womb, just as we were, and who, you know, ate and cried and went to the toilet and experienced physical pain, experienced gain and loss, you know, love and, and, and loss. And through his efforts in a realized full enlightenment. And he taught for 40 years. He walked around India and Nepal teaching for 40 years until he was in his 80s. And then when it was the right time, he lay down and breathed his last. So we don't usually say that the Buddha died even though the, the body died, because the, you know, we speak about the, the Buddha's parinibbana, so it's like the, the complete ending. There was no more work to be done, everything was laid down. At the end of his life there was no more, no more attachment, no more things to do, no more uh, wishes. It was just the completion, the full completion of a life. So I like to think, you know, it's lovely to, to think of the Buddha as, as a human being. I think it's very important actually to, to just bring that to mind, that just like us, human being, you know, the Buddha was also just a human being. So enlightenment and realization is attainable to all of us if we, if we keep putting our mind in the right place and keep uh, bringing attention to our practice. And, and guiding our life in the right direction. And, you know, maybe this life, maybe future life, who knows. But it doesn't really matter. That the, the, what really matters is bringing attention to this, to what is going on now in this moment, in any given moment. So we all, we've all been born and we're all going to die at some point when it's the right time. And in between those two points, there's what we can do with our life. You know, so there's such a, a, a huge array of possibilities that one can use that time for. And so I like to, you know, particularly around this Wesak time, to, to really refresh the, the possibility that we can use this life for awakening, for fully awakening. And, you know, most of us have those thoughts that say, well, you know, I can't do it because dot 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 yeah. and you know we, we probably won't be able to become a, a fully enlightened Buddha that's most likely we won't unless anyone's very very highly attained already here but uh, when we were chanting at the beginning of the evening we chant the, the qualities of the Sangha you know that Sangha it's not the monastic Sangha it's not saying the monastic Sangha is worthy of gifts worthy of offerings 
it's saying the, the sangha of those who have gained insight into the path. So that's monks and nuns and lay women and lay men who have gained insight into the path. This is, this is the sangha who have practiced well, who have practiced directly, who have practiced with integrity, who give occasion for incomparable goodness to arise in the world. And, you know, we so easily put it up on a, a pedestal and, and uh, feel that we can't do that, you know, because of our conditioning or our background or our mind states, whatever it might be that we think are an obstacle to our practice. But if you look at the Satipatthana Sutta, the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, the Buddha is pointing us back to our experience as it is in any given moment. So, you know, one can approach this, this teaching in a very complex and detailed way, or one can approach it in a, in a, in a simple and immediate way, which is my preference. <laughs> so, in the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, the Buddha is encouraging us to see, to know the body as the body. So in that first part of the meditation, I was guiding you to bring awareness to the body as it is. I don't know about you, but when I first started to practice that, almost inevitably I would go to sleep. It was almost impossible for me to, to keep attention on my body. It was just, no, don't want to be there. And then gradually over the years, recognizing here it is, you know, body and mind, we're kind of in this for the lifetime together, so... You know, might as well get to know each other a bit better. You know, then over the years I've found that the body has become a, a very wonderful uh, refuge and uh, foundation because it's always here. It's always here and the mind can spin off, get involved in all kinds of things and get the emotions can get really agitated and excited and then the mind gets lost in them spinning off. But the body is just here right here and you know you can feel all the all of the the emotions in the body but you know the body is holding that so i found that this this good friend here is uh, very helpful on the path and i can bring my attention back to this body whatever's going on in the midst of turmoil in in a in a very challenging situation where somebody's having a go at me and I'm feeling really agitated and I want to I want to retaliate but I know that that isn't going to help and then I just say okay body what's going on in the body now feeling <gasps> feeling agitated feeling anxious and then there's the breath so there's the breath and I can breathe with that feeling And that gives it a little space. I'm not so caught in the reactivity. And then I know, then I see, well, what's, what's, what is this feeling? It's unpleasant feeling. This is a really unpleasant feeling and I don't like it. And I'd like to be able to do something that I can get away from this feeling. But that trying to get away from is, is a step off the path. So the path is, is coming back to the feeling. Okay, unpleasant feeling. It feels like this. It's kind of hard to bear, but it's, it's just like this and, it, and it's fluctuating, it's changing. It's not going to be like this forever. And then the breath gives it a little bit more ease. And then there's the, 
you know, ability to, to bear with it. So instead of just throwing something back, creating a whole scenario, a big, maybe even a lifetime's problem, I can stay with that feeling for, it might just be just a few minutes, or it might be an hour or two, depending on how strong it is. And eventually that feeling subsides, and the path has been right there. I've stepped onto the path by turning my attention to that feeling. If I'd have retaliated, I'd have stepped off the path. I'd have stepped right into the cycle of samsara and added to it. But by turning back here and being with the feeling, which is the second foundation of mindfulness, knowing it as it is, unpleasant feeling, knowing its nature, using right understanding, it is changing. It's not who and what I am. So it's not to say, it's not to say dissociate from it, saying this is not me, this is not mine. But to be with it and to know this is a process that's going on. It's, it's, it's got a cause. It's arising in this way and it will cease if I put my attention to it in the right way. And then you know, bringing attention to the mind states, which is the third foundation of mindfulness. So I find it very interesting with the body. You know, what, what attitude do we bring to this body? And people are so often indifferent to the body or, or even a bit condescending and a bit averse and looking down on it as this thing we kind of tolerate. And then the mind can be really exalted, wonderful, but the body, you know. So, or we may have had physical trauma, you know, and, and then the, the body's a, a, place, a fearful place to be. We don't want to be there. So we find all these ways of escaping. And meditation can be that. We can use meditation as a, a means of escape from the body for some time. But the Buddha is, is inviting us to, to come back, you know, to, to know the body as the body. And to know the feelings as, as the feelings. And to know the mind state as the mind state. To know it as it is. So it's, it's uh, an interesting investigation to, to bring attention to your mind state at any given moment. You know, when you sit down to meditate, to just check what mindset am I meeting this with? What am I am I meeting this meditation with grasping? Do I want to get something out of it? Or am I meeting it with aversion I want to check out because I don't really want to be here. I don't want to have to deal with the conditioned world. I don't want to have to deal with this body, these feelings, the aging process. The, the challenges of life. So I just want to just check out in my meditation and not have to deal with any of it. You know. So, you know, it can be nice, have a little holiday, but it's not liberating. It's, it's, it's stepping off the path. So, you know, to, to bring attention to the way we meet our experience. You know, when we do this, we're stepping back on the path to awakening. It's right here. And it's not saying, you know, we have to wait for, for a nice, wholesome, beautiful mind state before we do that. It's knowing this mind state, whatever it might be, however it is, as it is. Knowing it as it is. And, and again, bringing right understanding. So we're not being with a mind state saying, this is me, you know, I am, oh, there's me again doing this, you know, there I am again thinking in this way. It's not grasping hold of it as me and mine, but
But it's knowing the mind state, knowing that it's not fully who I, whom I am, although it conditions the way we, we manifest in the world. But it's not whom what I am. It's, it's a mind state, it's a, it's a, a filter, it's a colouring on our experience. It's obscuring us from seeing clearly. But once we bring our attention back to that mind state, however deluded it may be, if we can pay attention to it, if we can, if we can know it for what it is, then there's clarity. So there can be clarity with desire, there can be clarity with fear, clarity with anger, clarity with confusion. Interestingly enough, I've experimented with this quite a bit. There can be perfect clarity with confusion. You know perfectly that this is confused mind state. And, and you know that how, it, how it is, how it affects the mind, and you're limited by it and all of that, and there's, there's great clarity. And you know that this is not who I am, it's a, a passing cloud, and you know the, the true nature of the mind is bright and clear and open. So it's learning to be the awareness that knows the experience. And they're the objects of mind. So you know, there's the, the five hindrances of sensual desire and ill will or aversion, uh, restlessness and, and sloth or sleepiness, dullness and doubt. So those five hindrances. It's very, very helpful to know them, you know, and just to, just to notice you know, which is present right now. So when we know sense or desire is present, you know, we might not be able to completely stop following it, but we know it for what it is, it's sense or desire. We've followed it a million times before. <laughs> it hasn't led to ultimate satisfaction yet. <laughs> Likelihood is it won't, you know. So we know, we know what it is, and then if we can't stop ourselves following it, at least we know, okay, here I go again, you know. And hopefully not towards something that's too harmful, if, it's, if we're following something that's really harmful, then we should just stop it. Go, just go and do something else. <laughs> but if it's something harmless enough, you know, relatively harmless, like eating a cream cake or a, whatever it might be, then just to know the whole process of that, of following sensual desire. It has its promise. It has its, its moments of gratification. It ends... We, we look for the next thing, and that, that's how it works. So, you know, we can have that moment of gratification, and it gives a little temporary relief, but, you know, it's just still, again, it's, it's caught on that wheel, it's on that hamster wheel of constantly searching for, for that pleasure that's going to give us satisfaction. And, you know, ill will... It's, ill will is quite a strong term, but I find that ill will, it manifests in many ways, in very subtle ways sometimes. So there's the obvious like outward anger, even maybe violent feelings, and there's a strong aversion. Fear is also a, a type of ill will. And uh, depression is kind of rooted in ill will, wanting to push something away, not wanting to let, you know, let things in. You know, they, these all have ill will as their basis. 
or a, you know just sort of having a grudge against something or a or a resistance so there was a point when I, I realized not long after I came to live in America I realized I'm I don't drive but in, in terms of my life I'm driving with the brakes on you know here I am in this life there's all these things going on and I, and I got the brake on all the time there's this kind of resistance uh, fear resistance not sure and then uh, yeah, it's exhausting living like that and at some point it's like well what would happen if I just took my foot off the brake you know? just let life do what it's doing and meet it as best I can and it's like oh what a relief it's such a relief and maybe for a while it feels a bit fast and you know I don't feel like I can quite keep up with it and then after a while I kind of get used to it it's no problem and then increasingly just being able to open to to this you know, to life as it, as it appears as it, as it comes so these are all kind of aspects of ill will, that kind of resistance and the, you know, from that to and depression, fear, anger, resentment, these are all aspects of ill will. So just to get to know them. So it's not to judge them and say, oh, I shouldn't have that as a hindrance, not supposed to have ill will, but to know it, you know, to turn your attention to that experience. So the, you know, these are, this, is, this is all within the framework of the foundations of mindfulness so putting one's attention on that is, is stepping back on the path and it can seem kind of counterintuitive to be with strong resentment is, is the path you, know, you feel like no it should be getting rid of resentment it should be free from resentment and, but it's, it's just trusting that that process that of, of continuously bringing your attention to what is happening here and now that in itself will lead you in the right direction. You know, we can't always root out. You know, we, we might know what we don't want to have, and that the the intellect is clear. It knows what it knows where it's going, knows what it wants to do, it knows what what, what it wants to get rid of. And then there's the the body and the karma, the process. You know, the the uh, the condition that's here, and that has its own pace. You can't always keep up with the mind. And the intention. So to have the compassion, really, and, and humility to to slow down enough to be with what's happening now, rather than some idea of what we think it should be, or how we should be, or what should be happening now. So, you know, I won't go into great detail with the other hindrances the, of uh, restlessness and dullness and doubt, but. Uh, with all of these, it's, it's again to bring your attention to them. So bring your attention to the quality of restlessness. It's, very, it's an unpleasant feeling. It's, it's agitated, it's, it's unsettled, you know, it's, it's, it's wanting to be somewhere else. So bringing your attention as much as you can to that, to that experience of restlessness. And you can use the breath again. Take some really deep, calming breaths to, to help soothe that restlessness and sleepiness or dullness it's, uh, it's a tricky thing to deal with but uh, again it's, a, it's kind of an unpleasant well it can be pleasant it can be unpleasant or pleasant experience but it's uh, you know for those of us who, who are interested in the path of awakening you know it's an obvious hindrance it's obviously going in the wrong direction 
so you know not to be lulled by that uh, that kind of nice soft oh having a really peaceful meditation mm. <laughs> you know and you wake up at the end and the bell rings oh, oh that's nice I had a good meditation I feel much better you know <laughs> don't be lulled by that you know try to try to know it when it happens I suffer from this one so you know try to know that when it when it's going on and and you know change your posture maybe stand up take some deep breaths. If the if your light's on, you can open your eyes and, and let the can the, the light. So these are all ways you can ha- that can help with dullness, drowsiness, and then there's doubt, which uh, keeps it's like a dog chasing its tail. It thinks it's getting somewhere and it can go faster and faster, but it's just never never going anywhere. It's just going crazy. So you know, with doubt, you just have to stop, stop following the doubt, and just come back to the body or come back to the breath whichever is most accessible and then the doubts carry on and then you just say I'm not paying attention to you right now I'm going to be with the breath okay breath so it's not that it necessarily goes away but we don't feed it with our attention so uh, these are the these are some of the the dhammas or the objects of mind that we can be aware of. And we can also be aware of the wholesome objects of mind. I, I never quite, I, mean, I don't know why it is, I have a bit of a block with the seven factors of enlightenment. <laughs> I can never quite remember them all. But uh, qualities of uh, investigation, investigation of dhammas, mindfulness. I won't go through them because I really, I don't know why it is, all, over all these years, I've never been able to keep them in my mind. But knowing when the, the wholesome qualities are present also. The concentration, focus, collectedness of mind. So what I'm trying to point to is that whatever is going on in our experience at any given moment, this is the path. Paying attention to this, whatever it may be, is the path to awakening. And it's not like waiting for something else or till we're better. It's not that. It's, it's, it's this. It's this, even this delusion that we have is paying attention with, with clarity to this. This is what brings us back onto the path. Or, you know, being with our own generosity and feeling the, the joy of generosity. This is what brings us back to the path. Noticing a judgment that comes in. Oh, it shouldn't, you shouldn't get into your own generosity. That's selfish. Then you notice that judgment. N- not adding to it with another judgment, but just knowing it for what it is. Oh, that's, that's a judgment. That's, kind of, that's in the ill will category. And then just knowing that, and then feeling what that feels like. And that, just that knowing is bringing us back to the path. So, you know, really, we have no um, excuses, actually. <laughs> because here's this body and here's this mind. Here are these mind objects. Here are the feelings. It's all here. And it's just for us to remember that this is our opportunity. Right, right. This, this, right as it is, is our opportunity. You know, we've been, we've been given this human birth, which... 
It doesn't always feel so precious. I, I never didn't originally experience it as a, a wonderful thing, I have to say. But over the years, with the, with the practice, I've come to you know, greatly appreciate this, this human experience. It's, it's challenging. It's, it's painful. It's gratifying. It can be blissful. It's got an it's got amazing range of experience from the most awful to the most wonderful. And I've, you know, I've experienced a pretty good range of all of that <laughs> and, and, and in between. And in that is the door, the opening to freedom. So in our, in our suffering is the, the door. If you turn around and face it, that is the door to freedom. In our joy, if we turn around and face it, that is the door to our freedom. And it's through being with it as it is, not through holding on to it and identifying with it and making it me and mine, but through just meeting it in the moment. That is the place of awakening. And you know, over time, as we, as we continue this practice, there's just a natural incentive towards the wholesome and away from the unwholesome. It's, just, it, it's a natural process. It's when we stay semi-conscious that, it, that that isn't a natural process. Because we can fudge things, we can cover things up. You know, we can make excuses, we can eat something, drink something, switch on something that we don't have to feel the effects of our thoughts and actions and speech. But when we're actually using this experience as a door to enlightenment or to awakening, you know, we, we feel the repercussions of our foolishness and our unskillfulness and we don't want to keep following it. We don't want to keep feeding it. We, it's, a, it's a huge incentive to find a way out, to find a place of freedom. And it might not just be our foolishness, it might just be, you know, it could be old trauma patterns, uh, reactive patterns, but then get to know them. You know, they're, they're conditioned, they're, they're not our true nature. Get to know them, learn to be with them, give them proper attention. And through that, they start to change. We find more freedom in our lives. So it's a very simple practice and, and very easily overlooked. And it's, it's like the door is right here. And we, we turn our attention back. The door to the deathless is right here. So I'd like to end there and I'd like to open up for any questions because uh, be, there might be gaps in what I've said, places that, you, that don't make sense to you. So my intention is to offer the uh, signpost, really, that you can find the way out of suffering. So please uh, feel free to ask any questions in regard to what I've said and in regard to your own practice. And if it doesn't make any sense to you at all, then please say so. Yes. Uh, Sister, would you say a little more about uh, when the body is... Um so uncomfortable, there's pain in the body, perhaps trauma. Mm -hmm. Well, there are different things. There's physical pain because of um, 
well, the different reasons. It could be because of just the natural aging of the body. It does get more painful. It could be an injury, or there could be an illness that's giving chronic pain. So, you know, there's there are different kinds of pain, physical pain, um, and you know, there's there's a there's also like a a kind of a phantom pain that one can experience in the meditation that there's more like a tension pain so where the, the mind starts to tense up and then the body starts to tense up because you're thinking I'm going to sit here for 45 minutes and then you start to feel all these pains that you don't normally feel but if you're sitting in front of your computer you wouldn't even notice your body at all you know? but because you're sitting being attentive you feel all these pains so that's a, and if those if when you get up those pains are gone, then, or within a minute or two, or a second, or, or a few seconds, then don't pay, don't don't worry about them. They, they're just what the mind is throwing up and the body is throwing up as a as a distraction. So then you could learn to investigate the, those pains and be with them as they are. And in the beginning of the meditation, I was doing that guided body sweeping. So what tends to happen is when we feel a pain in the body, if it's a physical pain, our mind latches hold of that and, and we don't know anything else that's going on apart from that pain. And then we start to make all kinds of stories about what's going to happen and how terrible it all is. And so to learn to sweep the attention through the body. So if you can't get it off that knee that's painful, then just see if you can, if you can't sweep through the body, then just move your attention to the other knee unless that's also painful. Or to to your right elbow. And then, so it's like, okay, that's really painful. What, what's happening at the right elbow? Nothing much. Can the mind also be with that nothing much? It's just as valid. So like training the mind to be with the, the body in any place, with the pleasure, pain, you know, neither pain nor pleasure. Training the mind to be with all of it. If you have a physical injury or a chronic, you know, then you have to be careful not not to strain it. If you have chronic pain, I've never really had chronic pain, but if you have chronic pain, then you know it's really necessary to learn ways to, to be with that. So to know it as a sensation, to, to be able to put one's attention to, say, for example, the breath, that can give some ease, so you're not just latched onto the body. And... Uh, I mean, you'd be better off asking someone who has really practiced with chronic pain. But you know, to to have a sense of let the mind encompass the body, so you're not you're not fighting it. The mind isn't fighting the body, trying to get away from it because it can't. But it's it's uh, well, it can in, in some states of meditation. But to to learn to embrace that whole experience, and to know this is this is painful feeling, it's unpleasant feeling, and to allow that to be in consciousness. Uh, if you practice the absorptions, which I am not uh, a jhana practitioner myself, but if you practice the jhanas, the absorptions, then you can also, even with the chronic pain, you can experience mind states that are, that are completely free from pain because the mind is no longer um, aware of or identified with the body for periods of time. But then when you come out of that, you're just back with the same situation again. So it's like a temporary relief. But the the really, I would say, more more useful, you know, more more liberating practice is to be with that feeling and know it as painful feeling, and 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 see how it's it is actually constantly changing, even with chronic pain, it, it's it's constantly fluctuating, so to be with the flux of it.
Yeah. And then if there's like trauma, like the, the, there's, there's the like emotional trauma in the body, so there might be um, something might happen, and then you have very very strong feeling arising in the body, like in the belly or in the heart. Um, then that's also in a similar way you know, to turn to that and be with that and, and to breathe through that and to know, to see the, the, the strength of reaction and to you know, not, not add to it, not, not react or start, start living it out but to, and not suppress it, but to allow the mind to embrace that and know it and feel it and watch it as it's going through its process and, and see it come to its end, whenever that will be and then know how it is at after. So, you can, so it's taking it through the whole process, because we tend to just take segments of experience, you know. We don't notice uh, something arising, we don't, we don't notice it ceasing, but we notice it when it's at its, at its peak, and then it's like, ah, you know, or wow, fantastic, you know, whatever it is. But we don't notice the, the process. So when we bring attention to each moment as, as best as we can, we see the process, we see the beginning, the increase, the, the kind of climax, and then the decrease, and then the end, and then the, maybe the space after, and then the next thing arises. So you get to see that process, and then it kind of doesn't grip us in the same way. Yes. Um, I think one of the reasons I've never been drawn toward body scans is that um, I have a hard time noticing particular parts oh, yeah. of the body. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if, if someone asks me to uh, notice a particular spot on the back of my hand, mm-hmm. if, it's, if nothing is touching that part of my hand, um, there's really no sensation there. Uh, so if I say now be aware of your your left shoulder. Can you feel anything? So faintly I'm not sure that I really do notice anything. Maybe I'm imagining. But even mm-hmm. so, it's very, very faint. Very soft. And maybe with practice you can develop yes. a bit more sensitivity. Yes, you do, yeah. So, uh, cool. so can I just ask, if, if I say be aware of the whole body sitting, can you, can you be aware of that? hard to say what I'm noticing there's there's uh <laughs> close your eyes a moment how do you know that there's a body or do you know <laughs> um, the place I really notice is is where my rear mm-hmm, is, it's pressure is, yes because there's pressure mm-hmm. uh, clothing is covering so much of my body there's really hard to there's no distinct feeling for anyone. Place. Is there any sense of warmth or coolness? Yes, there's warmth. Uh-huh. Sometimes for my limbs, I imagine the blood coursing through my limbs mm-hmm. and, and then a, a sense of, uh, of heat mm-hmm. or, or energy. Mm-hmm. Um, seems noticeable. So, so with my limbs, mm-hmm. it's different. 
and then if, the, if I do that little trick. Limbs, that's good. And then, so there's four of those, that's quite a lot already. And then, <laughs> and then what about the breath? Can you, can you notice when you're breathing? Can you notice that the body moves with the breath? I mean, yes. just naturally? Yes. So that's, uh, where, where do you feel that? I mean, how, is it just up uh, here? In my throat. Throat. Where the air moves, and not and so easily, but, but, you know, the, the whole torso less so, but yes. So now we've got, that's doing pretty good. We've got four limbs and a torso now. <laughs> okay, that's great. And uh, what about your face? When you, when you did that part of the instruction, for some reason I felt like I'd, I could notice my face, but not the entire head. Not the entire head. Yeah, the head is difficult. It is difficult because there's so much thinking. And uh, often... And then it's got this sort of... It can be a bit formless, yeah. Well, so that's pretty good, isn't it? So most of it's there. <laughs> Clasping my hands and, and you or, or, I, or if I ask myself to notice the left hand, mm-hmm. what I notice is where the hands are touching. Mm-hmm. And so what I notice really is both hands. It's very hard to uh-huh. uh, distinguish one mm-hmm. from the other. All right. So that's, that's okay. You can just know that. I get the sense that the instruction would be just to practice. And the thing, yeah, I mean, the, the, well, you've already shown that you actually, there is much more awareness than you originally thought. So that's one thing. And then when we don't pay attention, just like anything, anything we ignore, you know, if we have a plant and then we ignore it, it shrivels up and dies, it, goes, it, it doesn't survive, it's not, it doesn't flourish. You know, if we ignore children, they, they go off, well, they do all kinds of things, but, you know, they, they're not, they don't, they, they go away, they don't, Eventually, they don't bother anymore. They give up, you know. And it's the same with our body. So if, if, we, if we ignore it, we can't... It's like it's, it's kind of given up on the mind, you know. Whereas actually, the mind, body and mind are... You know, they're meant to be in relationship. And if we don't pay attention to the body, if we pay Because what we tend to do is put a lot of attention on the thoughts, but not very much attention on the, on the physical body. And... You know, when we do that, then we, we're ignoring the body, and so so we try and put our attention on the right elbow, and they can't feel anything at all because it's not used to having any attention, and, and we and we're used to you know our attention being grasped by something. It's, it's got to be interesting. So it's like you can feel the, the buttocks because it's kind of okay, it's maybe a little bit starting to get a bit squashed, and so it's it's, it's something going on there. But because there's nothing very interesting happening on the on the right elbow, you can't feel it. But I, what I've discovered, because I basically had very a lot of difficulty having awareness of the body when I f- was first the first several years actually that I was practicing, and then I decided to pick it up as a practice because I needed to. And now what I find is it's very easy. It's like I almost I just have to remind myself to be aware of the body, and then here it is, right here feeling you know but you have to keep um, bringing attention and knowing those three kinds of feeling so there's pleasant feeling painful feeling and neither pleasant or painful feeling so what I would suggest is when you go to those places where you don't feel anything you say neither pleasant or painful feeling and just call it that and then go to the next part neither painful nor pleasant feeling and then maybe pleasant feeling and, and it might be that much of your body is, is that neither painful nor pleasant and then as you keep doing that, it's like it's an acknowledgement of the body. And then it gradually starts to 
come into presence more. And then increasingly there is either pleasant nor, or unpleasant feeling, and then there, there'll be some, some that's neutral. But increasingly it, it will fall into one of those categories, and, and you'll feel more alive, actually, more connected. Yeah. And then, then I guess when you get to where you can notice any part of your body, yes. or almost any part, yes. uh, any. as soon as you put your attention to it, um, um, since your body is, in a way, you, uh, that must be a, a great thing, in a way. Well, you know, does it, it feel that way? It's, it's, it feels... Um, well, it's like the, the, the body and the mind are integrated. It's not that the body is you, but it's that the body and the mind are integrated. And so, and they affect each other. You know? And so, and, the, and the, you know, the, the path is about being with this body and mind. That's, that's basically what it is. It's, it's coming back to this, it's using this body and mind as a teacher. So we, here it is, you know, we've got this amazing teacher and then we, we, we kind of check out. So it's more like, it's not always pleasant. Sometimes it can be quite intense and quite difficult, painful. But, and sometimes it can be wonderful and, and, and peaceful and, and uh, pleasurable. It has all of those. But it's more, the, the important thing is that, it's, that there is presence. That's what's important. So over, you know, as you practice, what's the, the um, things that are arising in consciousness don't matter so much. It's the fact of being conscious that's important. It's the fact that there is awareness that really, really matters. Not that the awareness is with something pleasant or painful or neither. So, and that develops over time with, with practice. Yeah. And that's the place of real freedom. Because then the, the awareness itself is not, it's not really making any deals with life anymore. It's, it's with this. And there's great freedom in that. Yeah. This is very helpful. Good. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yes. Okay, one more question. Yes. Okay, so it makes a lot of sense what you're saying about staying with your feeling and allowing your feeling to uh, present itself and then become more clear of where it comes from and your mindset is more clear. But what if you, your mindset is, dist- you, you have a distorted mindset about your body? I think, I think most of us do. That, that's why I spoke about it, actually. I think most of us do have a distorted mindset. We have a, we have a, we either perceive it, you know, as being different to how it is. Like some people feel that they're very thin when they're not very thin, or they feel that they're, they're enormously fat when they're not, you know, you have those things. I mean, when it's, when it's actually a, 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 like an eating disorder, then it's really difficult because it's, a, it's a, a very distorted perception. But, you know I, know, I know a woman who, she was actually on the verge of death through anorexia. Oh, really? Okay. So she, she'd been twice anorexic, once when she was in her teens and then again in her, in her I think, early 30s or something like that. And she was really very, very seriously ill. So they, there's different categories and she was at the point of, of um, near imminent death. That's, that's, that's the category she was in. And somehow she decided to, to live. 
So she could have just she could have just gone with it and died, you know. Uh, but she decided she wanted to live and she wanted to get on with her life and she she had a practice. And um, she did actually end up in hospital. I mean, she needed to be in hospital. And for some time, there was no way that she could just be with the body. All she could do was to follow the program, eat, and you know, do the things that she had to do, and and uh, start to to clear out some of the causes. You know, some of the stuff that had caused her to go into that pattern in the first place. And then over time, she she kept. You know, she had this kind of very clear mindset that she wanted to get out of that pattern. She knew it and she wanted to get out of it and she knew it was crazy. The, 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 she said it's like, a, it's like a mental illness, you know. The, yes. Yeah, right. And she kind of knew that and then, and even though she had it, she knew it and so she just kept working with awareness actually and, and eating and doing all the things that she was told to do to help get out of it and at times it was very, very difficult, very, very, very challenging and, you know, she'd feel... You know, all kinds of very strong emotions would come up because the eating, the not eating is what protects an anorexic person from feeling, basically. So so all of those feelings would come up and they'd be really, really difficult and, and yet she knew that they are feelings and they are changing and however difficult they may be, if I just stay with it, it'll, it'll be okay. So she had that refuge. And then uh, over time she, she you know, basically got completely cured herself actually of, of anorexia and now she's uh, amazing she's, you know, she, she eats in a very uh, healthy way in, in terms of I don't mean only eats healthy but in terms of she can enjoy eating she eat with people socially she can enjoy eating, she eats enough she's strong, she looks really kind of muscular and healthy you know, she, you'd never imagine that this is the same person who almost died of anorexia and it took that that strong intention to, to, to live because you have to really want to get out of it because it's difficult. And the understanding that it's, it's a feeling and a thought that's happening. And, and a feeling of, and a thought can't actually harm me. That's a, that was also a very important part of it. Because what we tend to do is we, we take the feelings to be real and personal and then we can't bear them. And so we, we do something to get away. And we take the thoughts to be real and personal. We don't want to be with them, so we do something to get away from them. So it's having that courage, really, to, to be willing to face those, those things, those feelings and thoughts, and, and allow them to change, knowing that they change. Yeah. And I think having a, a you know, supportive environment, loving people and people who encourage is really, really important too, yeah. wherever they may be. Yeah. But it can be done. Yeah. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.